Greetings, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality. I just want to briefly refer those that are new to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there is a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. And in the print, you will discover much is highlighted in red, which are links to very amazing and profound YouTube videos that highly confirm from many fields of science the reality of what I am sharing. This is not just something to believe in. This is the very purpose and meaning for your life, for the universe, and for all things, and the reason for which all things consist and exist. It is only found in an ultimate perfection of love, which is who the one true eternal God could only be, to be ultimately trustworthy, to be worthy to contain unlimited power, authority, and life without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way, thus indicative that he is the very source. And I want to share with you today how I share these messages for those of you that have come to know this one true eternal God for whom to know is life eternal. His name in the Old Testament in English is usually pronounced Lord God, the Lord God. Lord means Yahweh in the original Hebrew, and God means Elohim. And literally what that is saying is the I am that I am, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because for God to be God, he must be able to be in personage in order to rule over whatever realm he's ruling in. And the three ultimate aspects of existence he must rule in, which is beyond creation, as Yahweh, the Father, seeing the end from the beginning, in creation, the full expression of the Father, Yahweh, the Son, and filling all creation and omnipresence, which is the third aspect of existence, and also not only filling all creation with his presence, but beyond with the Father, as the Holy Spirit, Yahweh, the Holy Spirit. This is who I am sharing about. So Jesus Christ is fully God manifest in the flesh to man. He came to Abraham in Genesis 18, and there was three angels that Abraham had standing before him. They looked like ordinary men, but probably a lot more uh, tall and without blemish. And he invited them to have a meal with him. He knew they were angels. And as he, they were eating, he addresses one of them as Yahweh, the most sacred name for God, which basically means the I am that I am, the ultimate reality that is separate above and beyond creation. So I want to share with you to the churches today, those that have come to the saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ, what God by his spirit is saying. And so what I do is I seek to speak as the oracles of God, because 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. When we gather together as believers, we are all to seek to allow God by his Spirit to speak through us. How does that happen? Well, it's explained 
in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth with great reverence and humility and love towards God, we are filled with a spirit and an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances that come forth that are beyond ourselves from the Spirit of God so that we are speaking or prophesying or speaking as the oracles of God, whether it comes in the form of a song or a prayer or a testimony or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge or whatever form, the Spirit of God would come forth through each one that gathers together around Jesus Christ. What I do to facilitate this in my messages is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible. And I cast lots with two independent random applications so that I will get any possibility of two chapters so that they will bear witness with each other as to the theme that God is wanting to bring forth from those two chapters. Sometimes I want a little more clarification as I'm meditating on those two chapters as to the theme. And indeed, the third time I get what always clarifies it even more. And so today, that is the case. I also cast lots to get the possibility of any hymn. And now I'm also adding on not only the 1,080 hymns from an amazing hymn book by Lifestream Ministry, which you can order on the internet, um, of hymns from throughout church history, including from the persecuted underground church in China, that was produced through the work of Watchman Nee that planted churches there and was martyred in 1972. So you have that hymn book. The hymn today that was cast by Lot is a hymn from Watchman Nee, who was an amazing man of God. And also, I have added on 177 other ones that are worship songs that I have collected from some congregations that were very powerful in their worship to God. And so today, we will first go to the hymn that I received <clears throat> by the casting of Lot. And let me just say this, for those that are, tend to be caught up in their own understanding and boxed-in mentality out of their own righteousness, it is totally scriptural, the casting of Lot's extensively used in the Old Testament was used by the early church to choose the apostles, was used by powerful movements of revival, such as the Moravians, who even chose their own wives by the casting of Lot. I'm not suggesting you do that in case you think I am. <laughs> I'm kind of joking there. Okay, I want to um, now um, go to that song that was chosen today by the casting of Lot so that we um, can worship God together and this song is very fitting. It always is when you cast lots with great reverence before God and are right with God. And so this is a very fitting song to the message that will be preached. And it is one that I have had before. Often almost every song is a song I haven't ever sung before or is rare and that I don't know. And I always add them to my playlist, by the way, so that when you go to my site at loverealize.com, you have a playlist now probably of well over 100 worship songs from throughout church history and the underground church in China and from other, like the ones that I have from churches I recorded. 
So it's very rich and they're made, I don't take any unless they have the words on them that you can play on a YouTube video so you can connect with YouTube on your projector and play them before your church so that you have songs with depth and meaning, not the shallow songs that an awful lot of the modern songs are these days. So here is the song for today that God has given by his power through the casting of lots. Escape the wine press, cheering wine can never flow. Light only through the crushing fragrance can diffuse. Shall I then, Lord, shrink from suffering, which thy love for me would choose? Each blow I suffer is true gain to me. In the place of what thou takest, thou dost give thyself to me. Jesus, the, the, the. 
That song is so encouraging for us that face the reality of a deep relationship with God in this world that is so fallen and filled with suffering. But we are those that when we suffer, gain through the suffering. But when the world suffers, they suffer loss that drives many of them to suicide. And the opposite happens with those that truly know Christ. 
It drives them closer to him if they've truly been brought forth anew of the Spirit of God and truly been converted. And so I want to share with you today the two chapters I received by the casting of Lot before God. And I did cast for a third one as well to get a little more enlightened, which I do. But the first chapter I received was Ezra 10. And the second one was Acts chapter 2. And I may as well mention the other one as well. 2 Corinthians 4 was the third for a little more enlightenment. And there is a common theme between all of these three chapters. The common theme is that the price must be paid to have the blessing and power of God in our lives as individuals and as a body to prevail against the powers of darkness. And if we do not prevail against the powers of darkness, we will suffer eternal loss. And so I want to share with you, first of all, what Ezra 10 is about and read the first three verses. Now, when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. Often in genuine revival, I'm not talking about counterfeit revival. There's a lot of that these days. I'm talking about genuine revival. There is often a lot of weeping and repentance. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, and of the sons of Elam answered and said unto Ezra, We have transgressed against our God, and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives, such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. And so they called for all the people of Israel to come together, and they made it clear that if they didn't come, their property would be forfeited, and they would be excommunicated from the nation of Israel. So here you have the nation of Israel coming together to do something that's very difficult. Many of them had taken strange wives that worshipped and had idolatrous practices. And some of them even had children through these strange wives when God had made it clear when they returned to the land that they were to be pure and separate unto him because he did not want them to be defiled by that which is contrary to his love from which issues life abundant, eternal life. And so they came together, and it was a day where there was a heavy downpour of rain. And I suppose I could even try to turn to the passage, if it comes up, and read a few little bit more, which it has come up here. And uh, some of them were so broken before God, they didn't eat any bread or drink water, but mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away into this deception and compromise. And so there's this proclamation. 
that they all had to be there within three days in Jerusalem to come together to deal with this matter of compromise that had come into their newly formed nation. They had just come out of captivity. And we read, And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have transgressed, ye have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, and do his pleasure, and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. Then all the congregation answered, and they were all weeping, by the way, and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. They knew they needed to do this, though it was a hard thing to do. But the people are many, and it is a time of much rain, and we are not able to stand without. Neither is this a work of one day or two, for we are many that have transgressed in this thing. And so they organized to have, over a period of nine months, people come with their wives and separate them and their children so that they could no longer live with them. And that was a heavy price to pay. To have a life that would be pleasing to God requires a heavy price that some of us must pay because of the compromise that has come into our lives and caused us to be entangled with the things of this world. It may mean giving up a lot of wealth. Or if you've gotten wealth wrongly, to give that up and confess to those and make up to them whatever the situation is. So how does that fit this amazing event with Acts chapter 2, which is about the church in its very birth at the beginning? I will go to Acts chapter 2 and just mention a few things in that chapter. Many of us know what is in Acts chapter 2. Again, it's I have to, I'm just going to turn there um, now. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now remember, these people here had been waiting on God for 50 days, I believe it was. It was 50 days from the resurrection of Christ. And so this is the day of Pentecost, which is exactly 50 days from the Passover when Christ was crucified. And there's this amazing event. Now, it's really something to think of the devotion in these people, the disciples of Christ, that they would wait on God on their knees in prayer continually going on for 50 days, waiting for the time of God's visitation for 50 days. And it happened, unlike in Mount Sinai, where they were not willing to wait for Moses to come down. 
but became enthralled with the world from which they had come, which was Egypt. Here they had crossed through the Red Sea, had seen the miraculous power of God, and were before this mount, but they were always, there was that cry in their heart to experience the temporal satiations and pleasure of this world. And that, and the lust of the flesh, and the lust for other beautiful women in their midst, etc., etc., caused them to fall into the deception of idolatry just in a similar way to what happened to Israel when they came out of captivity and they had to pay a terrible price. And so also did Israel pay a terrible price for the Levites or those that were, were commanded even to kill those of their own brethren that refused to repent and continued in their compromise with those that were in the worship of idolatry that they were wanting to have sexual intercourse with, etc., etc., whatever the situation, and just being wild and dancing and so on, and totally ignoring the reality of their relationship with God and what God had just brought them out of crossing through the Red Sea not long ago. And here in the book of Acts, we have the cloven tongues, and it is also recorded in various Jewish writings that apparently when the fire of God came upon that mountain, the tongues came down and distributed themselves, tongues of fire, not in the same sense as here in the book of Acts, but it is recorded in certain Jewish writings that there was such an event. Now, I don't have time to go into that. God these people were paying the price to live a life that was pure. So they came into a tremendous unity because they had sought God. And that is what God is calling us as his people to do in these last days, is to face the reality of the cross. There is a lot of preaching nowadays in the church that you can just live any old way and you'll still be saved. I wouldn't dare allow myself to buy into such a teaching. There's too many scriptures that warn in the scripture about the importance that we're abiding in a deep relationship with Christ. The word was given to the church of Sardis that those that have, that the, the few that hadn't defiled their garments would walk with him in white and their names would not be blotted out of the book of life, inferring that a person after their name is written in the book of life can have their names blotted out. Do you think that those that are Christians in the time of the Antichrist that will soon be on the scene in our near future and decide to compromise with the Antichrist and the world system will be saved. No, it's very clear on the word of God. They will not be saved, but will be cast into the lake of fire. So there's no place for a false gospel of grace that would deceive people to live at ease and be lukewarm and be spewed out of the mouth of God. I also don't want to 
condemn people needlessly that may not be living close to the Lord, but encourage them to repent and not allow themselves to possibly suffer loss for eternity or, and come to a place where they have become a reprobate and apostate. Now, in the word of God here, we also received 2 Corinthians 4. And I just want to mention a little bit because I don't make these messages long about 2 Corinthians 4. So we will go to 2 Corinthians 4 right now in the word of God just briefly. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And here we read, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. And this false gospel that you can just live any way you are and you'll be fine for eternity is very dangerous. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not di distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. And the word faith is the word pistis, which means moral persuasion. We have a moral persuasion and we confess that moral persuasion. And we believe through all of these trials. You see, the early church didn't shrink from the cross they preached the cross and embraced the fact that they would go through much tribulation for God always chastises his children and many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. God is saying to the church today that he wants us to pay the price to come out and be separate to be his people that we might enter into the place of knowing a deep intimacy with him and a love relationship and abundant life that is overflowing, that can be overflowing in the midst of the most contrary 
circumstances and trials in our lives. And let's face it, the whole world suffers. But when we suffer, we gain, we gain an incredible glory in our lives of victory for we learn how to persevere through the trial so that we come out in a greater conformity to the image of Christ with more enlargement in his love and anointing and power of his resurrection and authority in us. Now, I want to mention here also that in the book of Acts that we were reading, that Peter quoted Joel the prophet. And I think it is appropriate that I read what it says that Peter quoted from Joel, verse chapter 2, verse 27 to 32. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord your God, and am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. You see, we may be going through trials, but the glory of God is on us in the midst of the trials. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in these days will I pour out, in those days will I pour out of my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yahweh shall be delivered, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Peter was saying that what was happening there in the book of Acts chapter 2 with those cloven tongues and them appearing to, and speaking in many languages before those people was something of what would happen at the very end of time. Even when the sun and the moon, which has not been darkened yet, but will in the near future, after an asteroid most likely hits the earth, as we're told by Tim Horan, who has very accurately prophesied about that, that at this time, there is in the book of Joel clearly described a trumpet blowing of alarm to awaken God's people to come together and to fast and to pray and to seek his face. As it happened in the book of Ezra, they came together to repent and to separate themselves from the uncleanness of the world that they might come to a place of God's visitation and outpouring as never before as happened in the book of Acts. There was also quotes Joel that will happen before his return in these last days. What is God saying to his people in these last days? He has a strategy for conquering your nation with the gospel, for conquering your community, your city, your town. And I've written a book on it called God Headship and Body Invasion, which I've recently lowered the price down really low, which you can get in electronic form or read or outline form on Amazon, God Headship and Body Invasion by David Thompson. It's all about what to do to not limit 
the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. But the strategy I mentioned in that book is that first, the you need to contact the churches in your city and your town and have them come together for three days of fasting and prayer to turn to God and to cry out unto him as never before. To repent of the world that has crept into the church and has caused us to not know his power and his glory in our midst. To not know a first love relationship with him and with each other where we love one another and we repent of being denominative and of limiting God in our midst so that the members of the body are not functioning as they should be, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, edifying one another, seeking God until his glory comes down in our midst in these last days. And when the churches in your town and your city come together and you get them to come together and to seek God like that for three days, is it worth it? To fast and pray for three days, it's worth it. And if you can do an Esther fast. I've only done that about maybe three times in my life. And I know I wouldn't do it unless God really led me into it. And when he did, it was strange. It was easier to fast than when I fasted in the past with water. I was really high. I'd still felt thirsty, yeah, but it wasn't super, super thirsty. So I'm just encouraging you. You can come together. It is worth it to seek God, to have breakthrough in your life as an individual and to have breakthrough in your life as a congregation. And that is the strategy that God has for the last days, is that churches should come together and pray and seek and God as never before. And when they go back to their local assemblies, that they never go back to being the church the way they were before, but that they choose to allow the fullness of the headship of Christ to inhabit their body by totally allowing each member of the congregation to share freely. And your house becomes a house of prayer where you start your service on your face before God. Don't you have early prayer meetings separate from the church service? You make your church service a prayer meeting and you start on your faces in reverence and awe before who is in your midst. And then out of that comes songs of worship and praise and the gifts of the Spirit and people move in the gifts. And out of that comes the message that is confirmed by the gifts. That is what God is calling for his people to do in the last days. And God will see to it that it is done. And I am determined to be in alignment with that. And so should you. Woe are those that stand in the way of the zeal of God for his bride in these last days and refuse to allow him to come in his fullness into their local assembly and into their town and city. Oh, get in line with God's zeal and heart to fulfill John 17 in these last days, brothers and sisters. I should also mention that I almost have my book done on life after death, which is 333 pages in a print form. It will be processed in the next day or two and possibly, I don't know how long, I, it won't take me long to make the printing on the outside of the cover and so on, but Within a week and not later than two weeks, I should have that book up. I have still not fully decided on the title, but um, that will be great too because there's a lot of deception in the area of life after death these days. So thank you for listening to this message.
God bless you all, and please support me in prayer and financially. I am praying this book will help me because I'm in a bad way financially right now. Um, because I paid a price to follow Christ. That's really part of, a lot of the reason. If I wanted to not pray each day for, you know, spending three or more hours with the Lord each day and prayer and the word, I would have made a lot of money a long time ago on the internet. But thank God, he knows what he's doing. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.